Hello, welcome. <laughs> Fuck me. Hello, welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah, and I'm Charlie, and we're two twenty-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. Dun, dun, dun. In today's episode, we are reading Chapter Seven of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. So grab a amaretto sour and listen along on this drunken, reminiscent journey. Are you gonna say it? Are you gonna say it? Are you gonna say what? it? Are you gonna say it? Are you gonna say it? Say what? It's been so long. Oh yeah. Hi, it's editing Charlie here. You wonder why I sound um nasal? It's because I have COVID. However, that's not the point of this voice memo. The point of this voice memo is to be like, had I got possessed by a seagull? That's the only explanation. For the sound that is about to come out of her mouth. Just listen. So loud! Oh, yeah! Like, I'm sorry. What was that? That is a seagull. It's not. That's Hannah. But that that is a seagull. It has, hasn't it? Cause... Yeah, do you want me to actually check to actually prove to people how long it's been? Well, so I went maybe... to America. You went everywhere yeah i just went everywhere so it's july 9th now <gasps> that july 9th the beat of your heart i said i was going to bring taylor swift more into this podcast i said it here i am doing it charms mm-hmm. through your shirt it's taylor swift day mm-hmm. um i'm pretty sure the last time we recorded was no i must have made a mistake there i've got it down as the end of april wow i don't think that's right but whatever happens, it's been like two months. Yeah. No, long time. And also it feels longer because, yeah, we've done so much in between. Yeah. I went to America. You went to Dublin, France. Where else did you go? The Isle of Wight. Oh, yeah, Isle of Wight. You've been everywhere, you I, little um I really have. And you decided person. to con- <laughs> confuse everyone by going to the Florida the day we announced we were going to LeakyCon. Yes, it's because that was the day they let us. So I was posting on social media like, I'm going to leaky con i'm also going to florida right now and i had so many people like after oh my god how was the convention i'm like no 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 no, 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 no. oh i've just realized i've left the fan on oh turn that shit off uh if you could hear noise for that first minute sorry it was the fan we've now turned it off most much to both of our disappointment and as we always say in the summer yes the window is open yes if you can hear noise like right now there's a plane going past in the background we don't care Mm -hmm. it's fucking boiling it's so hot so hot and you know you complain about this every year i don't care i'm allowed to i'm glad that um at least my tiktok has started to become full of videos of people who are american and australian who have moved to england clarifying that the heat here is worse than any other country yes agree like, i hope americans and australians yeah. get these tiktoks i've seen a few where yeah they've been like uh, just an apology <laughs> yeah i've moved here now and wow <laughs> yes um how are you? I'm fine. I'm excited to record. It feels like the first normal one in a while, and it's also going to be the first normal... The We'll have, like, two kind of normal ones in a row, and mm. then we've got some guests. We've got LeakyCon. We've got a very exciting... Two very exciting episodes. Like, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up, yeah. but that isn't our normal way of doing things, so I'm really excited for this little day of, like, normal, normalcy. normalcy. 
in the middle of what has been like a lot of guest episodes and a lot of us fitting it around things. Yeah. And we're no, also recording great. on a weekend for the first time in ages. Literally three or four months. Yeah. So, and I like our little podcast Saturdays. Yeah. This feels like back to basics of the podcast, which I love. We've got like Patreon alcohols. We've got all the normal things we do. We're not having to insert 10,000 clips. Yes. Hopefully. Which is why we have one singular patron to read out. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the... Yeah. So normally because we batch do the patrons which i'm sure you guys can probably tell if you ever joined the patreon and you wait quite a while to be read out but because we were inserting all the patrons for the last four episodes like at a later date we kept up with them mm. and we only did that a week ago which means we have one new patreon to welcome to the team yes <laughs> it's gonna be i feel like it's gonna be such a good word because there's only one person mm. and illogically impossible size thank you to yvonne nice is that good is that bad that's very good Hello everyone, it is future Hannah here coming in to tell you all about LeakyCon, which if you are listening to this when it is released, is in four days. That's right. We are attending LeakyCon on Friday the 29th of July until Sunday the 31st of July. And we are so excited. By the time you're listening to this, we are already in Florida having a little holiday prepping for the convention. Oh my gosh, there is still time to buy tickets if you're listening to this as it comes out and the schedule has just been released so you can know what we're doing so let me talk to you about the schedule on friday the 29th of july at 1 p.m we are going to be performing goblet of wine live on the friggin main stage who what where yes we'll be reading a chapter from the books just like our normal episodes but performing it live in front of an audience 2.20 on Friday, we are going to be in a panel called A Magical Hour of Podcast, along with our best friends Kim and Sequoia from Fanatical Fix, oh my gosh, so excited, Mike Schubert from Potterless, and Melissa and Ellie from Podcast, who, if you remember, came on the podcast um, in our third season, and she's also the CEO of LeakyCon. Are you joking? That panel's going to be amazing. Then on the Saturday at 1pm, we are going to be in a panel called Pairings That Should, Non-Canon Romance in Harry Potter. And that is with Fanatical Fix. It is going to be so good. We're going to be talking about Wolfstar and like Neville and Luna and all the pairings that should have been in Harry Potter. I'm so excited. Then at 3.40 on the Saturday, we are hosting the Goblet of Wine pub quiz. Yes, it's back new questions we've redone it if you haven't like heard of our pub quizzes before we did one at dracon and it was such a hit and we also did a live streamed one during lockdown we love running these it's going to be a traditional british style pub quiz so if you are american and have never been to one of those before you get to experience that but it's all going to be Harry Potter questions. It is going to be amazing. On Sunday at 10am, we are going to be in a panel called Potter Online, Fandom and Celebration in New Media. And that's with us, Cherry Wallace and Chanel Williams, um, who are both incredible and I'm so excited to talk to them. And then at 3.40 on the Sunday, we are going to be in a panel called Howler Hour, where we talk about our least favourite things in Harry Potter in 30 seconds or less. And that is again with Cherry Wallace and Chanel Williams, the Brick Crew Unite. In between all of those performances, we are going to be walking around the convention ourselves. This is my first time attending LeakyCon, so yes, there are talks I 100% want to go to and be sitting in the audience for. Charlie is so excited for so many different talks, so we'll be wandering around all day. We're going to be at the evening things. We're just going to be there to see you 
people and experience the whole thing. So yes, that is everything we're performing. I The link to the schedule will be in the description of this episode. So if you are coming, you can plan your day. And if you haven't bought tickets yet, you still can. You can buy them for single days or the whole weekend. So if there's a particular day or talk that you want to go to, you can just buy a single day. And if you use the code GOBLET, you can get $10 off. Please let us know if you're coming. I am so excited to meet people. I just cannot even describe how excited we are. Yes, there we go. We'll see you at LeakyCon. And then I have our review. This is, if not our first, then first in a very, very long time, one star review. Uh, So this? this goes out to Washington Sentinel, who says... One star. If you're interested in a HP podcast by two man-hating feminists, then this is the podcast for you. If you want intelligent discussion, then definitely skip this. Thank you. We are two men-hating feminists. Is this a joke? Did you make this up? Let me see. Fuck off. When did this come through? It's our most recent one. (laughs) I'm... I've never been... I'm going to put this as my, like, CV bio, my LinkedIn bio. Yeah, I'm... Can we make this the description of the podcast? Yeah, I'm so glad that my personal brand is this strong. Thank you for reinforcing... Yes, I am a misandronist. (laughs) What I would like to know is how far through the podcast they got to leave that review. Yes. Because also, I I resent the it doesn't have intelligent discussion massively, especially (laughs) at the beginning of the podcast, there is more of it. So, like, at what point did this person decide this is all misandry, this is bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is... The, this kind of thing, uh, the same when we got a message telling us that we were awful people for saying that we wanted Trump to die. Those are the kind of messages and reviews that you know that you're doing a good job. Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for that review. That's honestly made my day. Yes, yeah, same. I read it and I was like, well, that's going in. <laughs> leave us more. No, don't leave us more ones to us reviews. Most of them, no, make, most of them would make me cry. I don't, I'm saying that. I don't think we've ever had one before. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first one. I think... Like, at least that they've written something. That they've written something. We've had, you know, Ratings. fights with podcasts, so they've had one joke. <laughs> Drama. <from> I'm not. <laughs> Drama. Drama star. Um, okay, so that's that. That's the top of the episode stuff. On to the alcohol. So this alcohol was picked for us by Becca Rosier, who, to remind you guys, is a producer-level Patreon. Um, so she got to pick our alcohol. And yeah, they chose Amaretto Sours, which I've actually never made before. I think I've had it before in cocktail bars, but I'm not sure. Have you ever had it before? I don't know, but I know because it's Amaretto flavoured, it's like always just going to make me think of because Amaretto, I've said it before, was the first thing that I ever started drinking. Yeah. That and Jack Daniels. So it's just going to remind me of being in uni. Hannah, I overdid it on the egg. So much more egg than necessary and also I was like do we need um cherries and she was like no 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 it's fine they're just a garnish and then turns out we d- did need the syrup so yeah used... so I've used grenadine instead which yeah. like, isn't that dissimilar from cherry syrup but mm. cheers cheers that is sour that's nice it's nice oh I like that yeah mm. very smooth because of yeah. the egg <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's a really good mixture of sour and sweet Mm. We'll probably make another one halfway through. Well, we'll try to use less egg. <laughs> less egg. 
We're going to be very strong because aren't you making cocktails later that also contain egg? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a really We're gonna... high amount of eggs today. We're going to be like, oh God, what's his face? Gaston. Gaston! Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> we are so on How did I get that? We're going to be like... like... Eggman. I re-watched the live-action version of Beauty and the Beast recently. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but I've heard that it's terrible. This was the thing. The first time I watched it, I was like, that was terrible. And re-watching it, there are parts of it which are god-awful. But there are actually some parts of it that are really, really good that I think Mm. because it got an overall bad rep are kind of overlooked. Like There are some parts of it like um, thingy playing L- I hope everyone is enjoying the ice cream van ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thingy, who plays Olaf in Frozen playing LeFou, was actually the most genius casting in the world. Yeah. Like, there are some parts of it that are great. Yeah, I just... I don't want to badmouth Emma Watson. <laughs> and I She's do... She's very well. I don't think that's badmouthing her. No, but also, like... We're... Sometimes I wonder how good of an actress she is. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously I'm not going to judge her by Harry Potter because she was very young. But then I find that she's in quite a few things where I'm like, mm, like, and I'm sorry, I know it's your favorite film, but Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, her in that, she, 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 she's not great in Perks. No. Like, she's not bad, but the rest of the cast are so good. It's kind of and like her it. American accent. You're like, oh, it's terrible. It's yeah. awful. Um, I like the acting that she does, but it's often playing the same type of role and I've never really seen much outside of that. Yeah. That's what I'd say. And I just think she's so strongly herself. Yes. Like she's someone with like a very clear personality and way of being. And I think sometimes that goes against you as an actor. Yeah, she can Um, never be like a character actress because she's always going to be Emma Watson playing something. Exactly, exactly. Um, Because, yeah, I think... You know how, like, models are always, like, a a blank slate? They're not necessarily, like, ridiculously gorgeous people. They're just very, like... Like, you know. And I think sometimes you kind of have to be that as, like, an actor as well. It's like, oh, thingy... The one that your dad really fancies that played Pamela Anderson. Oh, Lily James. Yeah, she is always going to be Lily James playing a role. Yeah. She's never going to be... But you do get character actors versus the people who are known as actors. But yeah. But Emma Watson has done, like, so many other... She's interested in so many things outside of acting that, like... You know. Yeah. I think Daniel Radcliffe is, like, a surprisingly good character actor for someone that should have been typecast absolutely yes. and to be fair it's been his absolute hustle that he got out of that yeah. have you seen the weird owl trailer i've seen the trailer yeah like what what the fuck <laughs> he yeah he has worked so hard to not be typecast like all and props to him i also i love that it's like out of all of the roles that he's decided to bulk out for <laughs> it's fucking weird owl and you're just like i'm really confused right now because one it's Daniel Radcliffe, who, yes, I do fancy, but it's like, he's not a man that you you look at and you're just like, oh, he's like, he's good looking and he's sweet and he seems lovely and funny and that makes him sexy. Yeah. You don't look at him like, mmm. Rip your clothes off. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so confused because I've never been attracted to him in that way. I've been attracted to him, but not in that way. And then you watch the Weird Al trailer and I'm like, not only is this Daniel Radcliffe, it's Daniel Radcliffe 
Radcliffe playing with Al and is somehow really sexy, even though neither of those people are... It's a confusing experience, guys. If you haven't seen the trailer, I think it's going to be really good because I think what they're aiming to do is essentially, like, satirise biopics, which I think if that is what they're going for, is perfect for like a Weird Al biopic. And that's why he's ridiculously henched to play Weird Al. (laughs) I'm excited. I am as well. I just love him. I love everything he does. Um, This was a tangent just about eggs. How did we go from eggs to character Eggs, Gaston, (laughs) Beauty and the Beast, Emma Watson. It's It's actually impressive. Yeah. It is. It is impressive. Yeah. Um, I hate men. Just I'm trying to keep us on brand now. I feel like I've really got to live up to that review. I hate men. I hate men. I hate Gaston. He was a real dick, wasn't he? I mean, he really was. The live action made him more of a dick. Like, oh my god! Oh really? Wow! 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 He becomes like a a nasty piece of work. Really, a nasty piece of work. Yes, I am a feminist that hates men. (laughs) Yeah, I'm mostly against the live action remakes of. That Disney do. I think a lot of them are fucking stupid. The only one I've liked is Cinderella because the original film has so little to it that that made sense. But that's slowly changed. Wasn't what was one of them was god awful and I can't remember what what it and it might have been Cinderella. <laughs> Sorry. I mean I'm not going to say it was remember. fantastic, but I enjoyed it because it like me... added a lot more. Because the prince doesn't even have a fucking line in Cinderella. No, it's Mulan that was god-awful. Mulan got slated. I've still not seen it because Mulan is my favourite, so I, I don't... No, I, I don't want to see it. Right, chapter seven. Yeah. The Slug Club. Yeah. Slugs. Slugs. So we're back in the burrow, and Harry, for a solid week and a half, has been talking about Malfoy to Ron and Hermione, mm-hmm. who are starting to get a little bit bored of this discussion because they straight up do not believe yeah. Harry's yeah. theories. But he puts up a really good argument. Yes! I find it a bit unbelievable yes. that they are so closed down to it. I think this is going to be my notes for most of this book because it kept irritating me that Harry uncovers more evidence. Like, he uncovers more evidence in the next two chapters. Mm-hmm. Ron and I disagree with him. Mr. Weasley disagrees with him. He says his main argument is because Lucius has been put in jail and Draco partly wants revenge and Voldemort is looking to kind of humiliate the family further so Draco has taken Lucius's place. This is a really good argument. And the only defence Ron Hermione keeps saying for the next two chapters and probably continuing is, he's too young to be a Death Eater. As if Voldemort somehow would have morals enough to be like, oh no, I can't like employ someone underage. Like, and as what? if Snape canonically didn't become a Death Eater at 17 or 18. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense as an argument. Like, why on earth would Voldemort have qualms over someone's age? If anything, enjoy the ice cream truck ASMR. Um, if anything, that would make it more likely because it would be like less cannon fodder, suspicious, like, yeah. kind of. And then, I'm going to skip around a bit, but we'll come back to points. Harry says something about maybe he wants someone on the inside at Hogwarts, and Ron's like, nah. That's another really mm. good argument. Of course he wants someone on the yeah. inside. And this turns out to be the plot of this book. Yeah, and the teachers are hard to turn. Putting a pupil on the inside is fucking genius. Yeah, I I would have liked J.K. Rowling to work harder at an against case. Yeah. Because especially it seems for, plot convenience that they don't believe him. Especially for Hermione, who is an incredibly logical person. And I know... 
the whole point is that Harry has always suspected Draco. And it seems like a personal vendetta when for once he's actually right. Mm. But Hermione is normally someone who can see past that kind of thing and will look at the argument as a whole. And it just feels like she's being incredibly dense. Yeah. For, like, no reason. It's for the plot. Yeah. It's so... It really annoyed me reading these chapters that they're all not believing him. Like, I get that Harry has a personal thing against him and is therefore more likely to suspect him, but it's just annoying. Yep. So Harry kind of walks out because he's like, okay, I'm not having this conversation. Goes downstairs, in his words, to wash his Quidditch things. And then instead of washing them, just hands them to Mrs. Weasley. Uh, <laughs> but these boys. <laughs> I know. Before that, him and Ginny have a little flirt. No. They, I do. Before she writes the fucking monster in his stomach, uh, I actually think their build-up is nicely written. Yeah. It's really frustrating that she fell back on this green-eyed monster in his stomach when actually she was doing a pretty good job beforehand of adding these little, like... Flirty yeah, because Ginny's like, I'll try not to get like phlegm on you or whatever. She says there's it's a very lot phlegm. of phlegm yeah. in the kitchen. Harry goes, I'll try not to slip in it, which is hilarious. Mm. That's a good bit of like flirty banter. Don't love that it's against Fleur. Um, who there's, there's the... definitely a bit of your hair I've missed out cutting. I, I, can't, I can't stop <laughs> looking at it. I'm just like, can I? I need... Hannah gave me a haircut earlier. It's fine. You can sort it later. Okay, I'll stop after at it. your several cocktails. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's Fleur is being a bit annoying and rude to Mrs. Weasley. Oh. She's also being a bitch about Tonks. Like, this is after Ginny's made the bitchy comment. But Harry goes downstairs and Fleur is like, that Tonks has let herself go. Um, could we not speak about other women in that way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I like to, and admittedly I'm grasping at straws here, maybe she means it at a place of concern. But but there, there was a bit that annoyed me where it's like, said mentioned that she was looking at herself in at her reflection in a teaspoon and this annoyed me for like one reason like one this is a, such like a classic jk rowling ooh like vapid women ooh like yeah. really you're just trying to make this is like characterization where you're supposed to hate her because she's looking at her reflection yeah what if she had something in her teeth she was trying to get out yeah, which exactly. by the way did i get Oh, just that was really professional. Slam I just had your head into the mirror. Headbutt. <laughs> so I could look in the mirror. Um, but two, have you ever looked at your reflection in a teaspoon? You that look all weird and big nose. Distorted. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a vain thing. She might have been sat there. It was really funny. Yeah. She's also incredibly blunt, which. She's French. I, yeah, she's French. And I think the other characters just have a problem with that because she says oh, I can't put the bridesmaids in pink. It will look horrible with Ginny's hair. Which Harry kind of, without saying it, obviously interprets it as somewhat bitchy. But actually, like, she's not being It's considerate. Pink doesn't suit Ginny. And it's Fleur's wedding. If she wanted pink, she could have forced Ginny into pink Mm -hmm. because it's my day, I can do what I like. She's actually being considerate. It's just, she isn't doing it in a fluffy way. She's like, pink looks bad on Ginny. Exactly. Like, And again, this is like a gender dish... I can't talk today issue because when men are very like blunt and say how they mean it they're normally praised for that as being honest and straightforward and um, you know he just says it how he is and oh he's a good businessman I'm now just talking about Trump Um, but yeah when it's women then it's like bitchy and like vapid and and, it's such a double standard it is but yeah also 
Fleur has no need to be this mean about Tonks. Like, it's it's yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. Because clearly every character is walking around the fact that Tonks has depression. Yeah. And Fleur's just, just like, she's let herself go. But, like, no <laughs> one, like... Me. Hermione a little bit, but no one really comes at it that much as from, like, a place of real concern as in what's the action plan here what do we do about it it's no. all just like well she's not herself yeah like it, they're talking okay, about so it as like a topic does... of conversation yeah. you know like what help does she need guys yeah. come on people they're like damn tonks is really boring and dreary compared to how she used to be no entertainment for us her huh? and it's like wow yeah i mean i suppose a lot of the characters are kind of like Maybe it's not our place. It's the adults' business. It's the fa- It's her family's business. La la mm. la. But it is still just like they all just talk about it. Like it's a topic of com- yeah. Like it's like yeah. They are supposed to be her friends and her like colleagues and yeah. revolutionary partners. Yeah. Also, like she's stretched incredibly thin. She has an incredibly difficult job whilst being a member of the Order, um, of, the the Order of the Phoenix. Like she does need help. Yeah, definitely. Like it feels like Molly kind of is doing something but then it's kind of like well, she is like she's inviting her around for tea in the middle of the night to comfort her yeah but it's both to comfort her and also to try and set her up with her son so it's a bit like does that count i actually think that was just Ginny's theory and i actually don't think that's true yeah maybe i actually think yeah. I actually think that's Ginny's theory because the kids don't know yeah it's because she's in love with Lupin but Molly does because yeah. also something that happens in the next chapter which i'll bring up now because we've kind of reached the point and we're talking about tongs tongs very very suddenly becomes depressed so some and, and the way the characters talk about it and i think the way it goes down at the end of the book but we're gonna have to wait till we get there to see implies that something must have happened she didn't just fall in love with lupin and oh no she's sad she must have told him and he rejected her in some way. Mm. There is no other reason for it going kind of this suddenly downhill. And there's also no other reason for like Molly clearly knowing that the kid's not and her Patronus changes and things like that. Like there's clearly been a discussion or altercation that isn't spoken about. But it annoys me then that at the end of the book that doesn't come up. Like as far as I can remember, she says I love you and he says I've already told you I'm too old. Like what was that original discussion? Tell me. Yeah. So I have my own thoughts on this that again I was going to bring up next chapter but we're on it so I'll talk about it now where it annoys me that within the text Tonks's depression has always been isolated to being about one thing yeah where it's like oh she might be sad about Sirius or or she might be sad about Lupin and it's always like one thing and it's always like a man because to me you don't get this level of depression of like completely sucks your entire personality and everything and is over you like a gray cloud for months on end 24 7 from a rejection yeah or from being in love with someone that is not that it's um what's the word unrequited, unrequited um yeah. you that's not a thing she's described so entirely that it's like sucked who she is out of her yeah. just because what she's in love with someone that doesn't return it and yeah. at no point over the several months that this goes on does she get over him several months 10 months yeah 10 months this depressive period goes on it for. doesn't make any sense and i'm like 
Because Harry, well, I was going to bring it up next chapter is because Harry starts to think like about, oh, like, you know, she's this upset about Sirius and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I'm sorry. You're in the middle of a war. Like, she is an aura in this war. She's already losing. People know she's going to lose other people. She has a muggle father in a war that is attacking muggles. Exactly. Like, there are so many reasons that she and other people should be going through a real, like, prolonged period of depression and stress and anxiety. And yet within the text is only ever put down to because she's in love with this man and then it gets fixed when she gets with this man. And it's like, it one, it's unbelievable. And it's also just improbable and it's annoying to have this, like, vibe vivacious female character completely stripped of that because of an issue with a man it's so unrealistic and like one-dimensional and I just really don't like it I'm like I would have preferred something one where people actually genuinely gave a shit and did something about it but also like could you not have been like hey yeah she's in this really like stressful job and it's really getting to her because they're in the middle of a war and all of these reasons and yeah Lupin can be part of that and Sirius can be part of that but it's so annoying to be like oh this um female character yeah the only thing to her is her obsession with her love of this man so it completely destroys her when it's not returned it's like who does that yeah like I'd be through heartbreak. Yeah, it should make a. It would make a lot more literary sense if it was for a number of reasons. Like, Mm. yeah, it's it's very simplified in a book that's starting to get very complicated to be like, she was just depressed because she was in love with someone. Yeah, I've been through heartbreak, and you don't like. And we've all been through unrequited love, and you don't get this depressed about. You're not like. You don't like suddenly just lose all of who you are. Yeah. You might for a few days, a few weeks, but but like no, not for ten months. And the thing is, she was injured at the ministry, so it would make a lot more sense if it was a combination of factors. And maybe this is the other thing why it should have been explained better at the end of the book. Maybe she told him when she was injured, and maybe that is the reason why like she's actually struggled to bounce back from the injury because she told mm. him when she was injured and it hurt her even more. And she also felt guilty about Sirius and all these other things combining yeah. together. Yeah. Because yeah, she was like the second most injured in the ministry. Yeah. And you also could buy like if she's really, really anxious about the like current everything. Yeah. <laughs> which you fucking would be, like maybe that affects with her ability to transfigure herself. Like you know, maybe it's not just that her Patronus has changed, but maybe, you know, the actual ongoing anxiety has actually limited her ability to transform. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like, you're not always, you know, when you're under great amount of stress, you can't perform as you normally do. But no. Well, we won't find out till the end of the book. Um, So they go to King's Cross in in the magical cars, and they have to be chaperoned by... What is described as grim-faced auras three times. And Harry is extremely dismissive and uninterested in these two men that do the job he's interested in doing. Mm. He keeps being like grim-faced, bearded auras. Like, oh, they're so boring. Mate, this is the job you want? Yeah. Like, I'm a bit confused. It makes you wonder if there's, like, different types and levels to being an aura. Like, are there some that are essentially just, like, paper pushers? The same way that in the police there are some like very like admin based. But I thought that was. This is what also confuses me in the next chapter. There are auras stationed around Hogwarts, which I'm like, shouldn't that be the law enforcement people? Like we know that there's the magical law enforcement, which are the police kind of, and then the auras are more like detectives. So shouldn't be as field based. They should be more like 
doing detective investigative work than only being sent out on highly dangerous things. Yeah, I guess maybe normally it would be the wizarding law enforcement, but maybe because it's yeah, it's, it's Harry's there. Um, maybe you- that's why. But yeah, like I can definitely buy that there are some auras that are maybe more like desk job auras. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like um, oh god, what's it in James Bond? His money. Oh, Q. Q's the... Q, Q. Yeah. He's yeah. not desk-based, he's tech-based. Yeah, but that happens, like... Yeah. You're in an office, yeah, you're, like... Yeah, Penny becomes desk-based in the yeah, latest film. Yeah, but... Yeah, like, maybe there's that level. But then why would those be the ones transporting Harry? But also, yeah, Harry's just, like, oh, they're bearded and grim-faced, like, three separate times i'm like yeah okay these are the people you want to be so don't be a dick yeah i imagine it's like um the like um immigration people at airports where they have to as part of their job they have to be really intimidating yeah like they practice in the mirror like Mm. frowning and looking scary yeah exactly so harry then pulls mr weasley aside to tell him about draco He's learned so much in five books. He's like, let me get an adult, adult involved. I'm honestly so proud of him. He's like, who is an adult that I trust? Mr. Weezy, he's kind of like a dad figure. He works in the ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell him something I'm worried about. I'm sorry. Why is this ice cream van doing fucking loop the loops? Loop the loops. <laughs> it's out there just doing donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> Um, I'm just so proud of Harry. He's learned so much yeah. in five books. Mr. Character Weasley- development. Character development. Mr. Weasley is kind of hilarious about the whole thing. He's like, are you about to tell me where you were? And Harry's like, how did you know? And he's like, I raised Fred and George, you fucking yeah. idiot. But then unfortunately, Mr. Weasley is like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll look into it, Harry, but clearly doesn't believe him. Yeah, the classic literature trope of like adults not believing children. Yeah, that's literally what I wrote. I get that it is a trope that teenagers are always underestimated. And I get that what's meant to be clever here is that Harry is underestimated, but so is Draco because they're both teenagers. Mm. Both aren't believed both ways round. I get that that's the thing that you're going for. But Harry has been through so much shit. <laughs> he literally faced off with Voldemort last year. Could you just believe what he's telling yep. you? It's just stupid i mean mr weasley does he does go and investigate and it backfires but like yeah oh god um i then wrote mrs weasley is full mum at this point because she's like harry harry you gotta get on and then like runs along the fucking train be good don't get into trouble i'm like (laughs) yeah my heart it's very cute um we then have another little flirty hint moment before we get the horrible monster thing of harry goes up to Ginny and he's like let's go find a carriage and Ginny's like i'm meeting dean and he's like i am angry about this because i forgot that you weren't my friend in school yeah which is like a very weird dynamic (laughs) yeah definitely like i get why he forgot but it's also just weird why are you suddenly like oh no we're not friends like what I guess, well, no, she prearranged to meet Dean. But yeah, the way he phrased it, like, we don't normally hang around with mm. her in school. It's like, okay, well, you could. Exactly. Because, yeah, Hermione and Ron have had to go off to the prefect's carriage. Yeah. So then, oh, this is one throwaway line. He says people are gawking at him and he just describes it as people. And then he's like, and I turned around and was surrounded by mesmerised girls. I'm like, is it people or is it... What's going on here, Harry? Yeah. Harry's just like, oh my God, people love All of me. the girls. Oh, I'm so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> um, 
then he spots Neville and Luna and is really happy to see them. They go and grab a carriage and Neville has a new wand and his grand gran is finally proud of him, which is uh, depressing but heartwarming. Yeah, it says that he's finally living up to his dad, which is like very sweet. Um, bit judgy. Harsh, bit harsh. And it's also like, why do you want him to have to? Like, yeah. your son had to because they were at war and in the process of standing up to oppressors, he got, like, tortured to the point of being disabled. Yeah. Why do you want your grandson to have to... Say the war had never restarted, would she have always just been disappointed at him? Yeah, because he didn't like, do enough. Like, how could he do enough? Exactly, like... Surely you would rather there be no circumstances that he has to live up to his dad. Also, like, his dad didn't do that so that Neville had to live up to him. His dad did that mm. just to protect Neville. So Neville was able to live. Not live to live up to him, just yeah. live. Exactly. It's just, yeah, it's both sweet and annoying. That's the thing. Like, Augusta is a character who, like, I adore. Like, when she comes back to the battle and says, like, goes to the front line to fight with Neville, I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah! yeah. But also, she is kind of a horrible caretaker of neville like she she's so she's loving but it's so harsh yeah but she's quite well written in that that is just your gran <laughs> like not necessarily the bad aspect but being really harsh and horrible that's at least that's my grandma <laughs> yeah or like at least like one parent or grandparent figure being like you've got to live up to this it's like okay why yeah. can't i just live please Neville is like ducking down to get Trevor when a group of fourth year girls come into the carriage, including a girl with a prominent chin, which is like a fucking weird way to describe someone, but all right. Just JK does this constantly. Just constantly. Just gotta be like, this person had this weird feature or was like ugly in this way. You're like, why is she always talking like. There's being descriptive and then there's just like random throwaway comments like. This was like long black hair, dark eyes. I'm like, okay, and a prominent chin. Okay. Mm. Right. Um, so they're like, ah, Harry, do you want to come and sit with us? You don't have to sit with them. And Harry's immediately like, they're my friends. Yeah. And the people leave. And then Luna's like, it's because they they think you should be with someone cooler. And this is such a good parallel to when Harry was in the carriage in the fifth book, mm. where Cho came along at the moment that Luna's doing something weird, the yeah. cactus explodes and he's covered in stink sap, and he thinks, I wish I was in a carriage of cool people. Yeah. It's such good character growth for him to be like, you are cool, you are my friends, yeah. you were at the ministry. Like, he's, I really love this character growth for yeah, Harry. He's less insufferable in this book so already. So much less insufferable, but it, it's... It's nice, although book five was frustrating, it's nice that we got that quite important character growth mm. for him because that's... And also the reasons behind it. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's a small part of playing into one of the overall messages of Harry Potter, which is like found family and appreciating yeah. the people who help you and help coming from unlikely places and things like that. Like it is not always the people that you think are going to be the ones to help you the most. So it ties into that, but it's also just a really nice parallel. Like it was this exact day a year ago where he thought, I wish I could sit with cooler people. Yeah. Neville and Luna ask him if the DA is still going to be going. And he's like, well, there's not really any need for it. And they're like, oh, but we enjoyed it. And like Luna gets the classic line of, it's like, like having, having friends. friends, which is, oh, Luna. Luna, you darling. I, yeah, I do 
like Harry and Luna. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, Harry then does some hashtag deep pondering. Neville goes starts to do a monologue about Quidditch, so Harry lets him talk, but isn't listening because he's doing some very deep pondering about Neville and the prophecy, mm. and he's actually showing some rare, incredibly um, intelligence, emotional intelligence, and also like awareness that other people exist. Yeah, he's really <laughs> done some growth, has Harry. Yeah. So he sits there and he's like, "Okay, I learned that Neville could have." been fake could have been mine it was a flip of a coin and for some reason Voldemort chose me and he's like well what would it have been like and then he questions whether Neville's mother would have like stood up and saved Neville and he's like of course she would have like I'm sure she would have because she basically did anyway in a different scenario Mm. but what if she couldn't so then it ends with this like horrible question he asked inside his own head of what if Neville had died because his mother couldn't stand up for him not for not wanting to but physically couldn't and Neville would be dead but Harry would have been kissed goodbye by his own mother not Mrs Weasley and I'm like there are so many layers of like depressing things here like Harry is imagining one of his best friends dead but that means he'd have his own mother back Mm. but it doesn't mean it in a way where he doesn't appreciate Mrs Weasley like a mother and love her like a mother because he does but he knows that it should be his own mother yeah like he still is aware that's not his mother yeah and it's just so emotionally intelligent and incredibly depressing (laughs) yep luckily it's interrupted by Ron Hermione appearing and being like yo let's talk about something else (laughs) Um, so they appear and say that Malfoy didn't show up for prefect duties, which they're like, that's a bit surprising because he loves bullying first years. And then a girl turns up and delivers Harry and Neville an invitation from Slughorn, like wrapped in a scroll um, for lunch. And they're yeah. like, oh shit, what's this? I find it weird that the others that were at the ministry don't get invited because I get that Neville is because he had like parents. Um he had parents. He had parents. Parents, like, in the order and that were very, like, accomplished. But yeah. surely if anything is going to qualify you, like, the fact that Ginny gets invited for, like, cursing someone in a hallway seemingly is did... better than... But, but this is... When she says... When that happens, Ginny then says, oh, we were there, and doesn't Sulkorn go, oh, were you? And then starts to question them. So I don't think he knew... That seems so weird to me. Yeah, it is weird that the that the world didn't know that the other five were there. Surely it would have been reported on, and like, or just like the gossip. But because mills. they're underage, it might have been reported on as five other Hogwarts students. Yeah, not that the press seems to care about that <laughs> yeah. because of the whole try was a tournament thing. But maybe it was reported. Yeah. That, but maybe, maybe Dumbledore said. Because by that point, Dumbledore had come back and was suddenly being very strict. He said, you can't say their names. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. I hope so, because they were children. Like, it's not fair. We have more tubby custard. We do, because when it's blended up, it looks like tubby custard. It really does. If you don't know what tubby custard is, Google it. Then what have you been doing with your life? You haven't been living. No. So Harry and Neville walk off to... Also, it's really weird that Slughorn does the first slug slug club on the train. He's getting in early. Like, really early. Like, they're on the train. Before they know who he is, they're like, who's this sweaty old man with his hand in his pocket? Well, that's the other thing. Like, it's a small carriage. Like, and they're eating chicken. Pheasant. (laughs) Pheasant drumsticks in a small carriage. Yeah. With a fat old man. I'm only saying he's fat because the book describes him as fat, by the way. It's... 
you would be concerned. You'd be like, who should who be is concerned? This? Like, who really you should be uh, more concerned? Does anyone know that you're on this train? Really? Well, that's the other thing. Teachers don't travel on the train. Lupin did because, like, he didn't. Why did he? Plot convenience. Yeah, yeah. We don't know, but like, no one else does. Yeah, mm. it's really good. I really like it, actually. I'm yeah. going to make these more often. Yeah. That was really easy to make as well. Yeah, the first time took me a while, but the second one was easy because I remembered Knew what it. you were doing. Yeah. So then Harry sees Cho, who mm. runs away from him into a carriage. Mood. <laughs> into a carriage with Marietta, who still has pimples. And is wearing a thick <sighs> layer of makeup that doesn't quite cover them. I... We, we've said everything we need to say. Yeah. We've said it all. I don't, I don't have anything else to say that we haven't already said, to be honest. It just makes me sad. It makes me sad. Especially because Harry does a little smile. He's such a dick. He is. So he walks into the carriage and there's Ginny squished in there along with three others. And we get our first description of Blaze Sabini, who I only know from the Fanatical Fix podcast because he is used so much in fan fiction that this character was mentioned in The Sorting in mm. book one and was not mentioned again till this character and because blaze is a gender neutral name every fan fiction has him as like a boy or a girl like it's amazing never, it was like a trope of fan fiction of the time so then yeah. finally in book six we find out who he is and it's a boy and apparently it was like a big deal at the time i don't remember any of this but um, amazing i only know that from fanatical fixes podcast um but yeah we finally get the description of blaze who is an interesting character because he's hot really really hot mm-hmm. <laughs> which like good good we've got an evil character who's hot yeah and we needed more like hot Slytherin representation. Please. Honestly, we really did. Like, because like, we are exist. We meant, are we meant to believe that Malfoy is hot? I think. I think we're meant to believe he's somewhat good looking. I think we are. Maybe I feel like the only evidence we ever get from that is the fact that um, what's her face? Pansy, Pansy fancies him, Pansy but would fancy that happens. could just be subjective. Yeah. Or like power based, so I don't, I don't know, because obviously we never get it from the point of view of someone neutral. Yeah, um, it's actually out of character for Harry not to think of him as well, ugly or hot. In the first book, he was described as pale, pointed face, white blonde hair. Yeah, but, which doesn't lend the most like handsome of character, but we don't know what he looks like now. Yeah, but like you know what I mean, like Harry consistently thinks of people about whether they're hot or, or not. not yeah and i wonder whether it was the shipping that made her avoid doing that at this stage possibly because like, you the know shipping we, was already big and we then, know that she likes to but then this shut down so, i can absolutely see based on the chapters we've already read on this book where the absolute fire for drarry came from because harry is fucking obsessed with draco mm. in this book like I always thought, oh, it just comes out of that, like, enemies to lovers thing and people, like, like, people 
at the time there wasn't much gay representation so people were putting gay representation in popular media like i yeah. I, I always thought there wasn't that much textual basis for it and it, people, it was people having fun and that's good that's a great thing Reading this become like, fuck me. I can see where people are going. Like, Harriet seems obsessed with him. Yeah. I think I can buy JK Rowling not realising how that would play off. Yeah. And I think, yeah, maybe her trying to shut down the shipping was by not for once having Harry be like, and he was hot on whatever, or like yeah. he was repulsive he was or repulsive. whatever. But um, Blaze is hot and Harry knows Yeah. It. You know, something, I'm just, go- I'm just going on a... God forbid a tangent slightly, but just because this I hope has made it's a man me hating tangent. <laughs> it actually is. It actually is. Um, my ex really annoys me because he has this thing about like he says that I see the gay in everything, and he gets really annoyed. Like if I would be like watching or reading something, and I'd be like, "They're gay. They're gay," and he got like every single time he shut it down. Bear in mind, bisexual man. So, like, what the fuck? But would just be like, no, like, you just see the gay and everything. They're clearly not gay. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, sorry. Like, one is open to interpretation. You can see that if you want. Like, it's, media is it's open not, to interpretation. Yeah, it's not, like, a bad thing. No. And two, like, okay, yes, I want some more representation for a group of people that I belong to. And also, media in the last... 10 years especially has been full of queer baiting Mm -hmm. so yes of course people are seeing gay relationships in a lot of media when for years we've sat through so many queer baiting shows and and books and everything that do not actually do the thing like harry potter and the cursed child did it until they had to change the fucking script in the last year so albus and scorpius are actually canonized together because that was gay baiting queer baiting yeah and even when it's not queer baiting and there like is literally no evidence for it if i want to think it i can still think it because there is so little representation especially especially because we at least now get a bit more like gay representation but we get no fucking bisexual representation and like it does my head in because it's just writers just think you're either gay or you're you're straight yeah and like the classic thing and you know there's a great example of buffy of a like straight character that then gets into a lesbian relationship and then just is referred to as a lesbian despite the fact that she previously had a relationship with a man that she was incredibly in love with and yes obviously like you can realize you're a lesbian after the fact after having blah blah blah, but it's like it was an opportunity to have both lesbian because of her girlfriend yeah and bisexual representation but no it just became oh she's a lesbian and there just is no bisexual so i'm like yes if i'm reading a book or watching a show or a film or blah 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 i don't care if this man or this woman or just this person has specifically said that they're like attracted or have slept with or kiss or whatever a member of the opposite sex that doesn't mean that I can't still think that they're bisexual. But he would be like, no, but they, they, you know, he, he's slept with a woman. And I'd be like, and? But also, like, any person who has studied any form, or not even studied, I just mean anyone who has consumed anything that is about media studies, English literature, film studies anything that is about critiquing pieces of art or media this includes like fine art anything the entire point is it is not one answer 
art mm-hmm. and media and literature and everything that encompasses is there to be interpreted. Once a piece of art has left the artist and is out in the world for public consumption, it is up to the public's yeah. decision and not a unanimous decision because everyone mm. can interpret it differently. And yeah. that's meant to be the beauty of art and literature and media, that it is up for interpretation and how different people's worldviews... Like, that's the other thing you like you learn when you study English literature and film studies. Your own personalised worldviews will interpret how you view text, art or media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just doesn't fucking harm anyone to, no. like, interpret a character as queer. Like, just to... You know, obviously this is partly a Taylor Swift, partly uh, what's everything Buffy, partly, but yeah, partly Name of the Wind podcast, like Name of the Wind. There is a part in that when a good, if not two paragraphs and an incredibly chunky paragraph is entirely dedicated to one male character describing the eye colour of another male character. Yeah. I'm sorry, that shit is gay. (laughs) And it's like, it's like fucking poetry, how it's written about like the eye colour of blah, blah, blah. And so like, I like first read that and it's like right at the start of Name the Wind. And I was like, oh my God, so these two characters are gay. And he's like, no, like you've already read a bit when like this character's like slept with a woman or something like being referenced. And I'm like, and doesn't mean that they can't be bi or be like whatever. Um, And he got really up in arms about it. And I'm just like, uh, and then like, reading the entire thing I was just like I don't believe that this author is straight and who knows who knows I did then find a website that had a poll guessing at the sexuality and everyone had said that they reckon the author is bi even though he's never publicly said anything but I'm like to me that shows my interpretation that I'm not the only one that has read this seeing the gay in the writing if that many people for some bizarre reason think that this author isn't straight and then it's like how i see these arguments on tiktok because i'm so funny on taylor swift tiktok of people who interpret some of taylor's songs as being gay or bisexual or things like that and then people getting annoyed about it Mm -hmm. i'm like okay a they might be b even if they're not you can interpret them how they want and c if you view it through the lens of being straight and it applies to your heterosexual partner then that's fine but you can't then be upset if someone applies it through the lens of being gay or bisexual it doesn't harm you it It doesn't doesn't cancel it out it's not something to be upset about yeah but um yeah and then when i was like because i was reading a bit about patrick rothfuss when he was um slagging off jk rowling because he's an icon and it was him saying about like her including queer characters after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he basically said that there's like, it's not that he's including it after the fact, but there are some characters within the Name of the Wind series yeah. that are queer, but that he just hasn't specifically said it yet. Yeah. And like I read that and I was like, I'm going to be proven right. I'm going to be fucking proven right. I hope you are. I, I, I truly hope you are. I will be. Okay. But anyway, that was a tangent just because, you know, we've got to keep up our tangent? personal brand. Just because we were talking about the whole Drarry oh, situation. Because yeah. that, that's the kind of thing that my ex would be like, oh, but you're seeing gay where there is none. Uh, and it's like, uh, think, yes. I don't th- think it's the most <laughs> popular fan fiction subgenre for no reason. I don't think that like a million <laughs> fan fictions have been written about Drarry for no reason. Mm-hmm. And... We have already agreed that Harry
Harry is definitely a bisexual, especially the way he describes Zabini later in this chapter. Like, I think I wrote the note. Hold on, let me find where I wrote the note. Um, I think I just wrote a note that said that is bisexual about how Harry is describing Zabini and talking about Zabini. Like, there's just something in it that I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm, okay, okay. I All love. Right, Harry. I love that J.K. Rowling, through her own weird issues with having to describe whether someone is attractive or not, usually to indicate they're like... Has made Harry bisexual. Has, yeah. Because she's, she's like... inadvertently Yeah, made because Harry she's bisexual. written it from his point of view. Yeah. But then being like, oh, but I have to be weird and judgy and associate appearances with whether they're good or Which bad. Which just makes us go, yeah, Harry's bi. Like, yeah. clearly Harry's bi. Look at him. The, the uh, bi man, yeah. Because she's definitely homophobic. You know that she hates it. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, Blaze. There's also two seventh-year boys there who we learn in a second and they're eating pheasant which tells you everything you need to know oh, about yeah. what this club is going to be mm -hmm. like like i have no idea if the idea of eating pheasant translates to the class culture in different countries because in this country it implies upper class yeah like if you eat pheasant that is firmly one of the definitive things that will mark you out as upper class yeah have you ever eaten pheasant never eaten it i do know someone who shoots it that's Tory. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. In this country, it's such a marker of upper class. I'd be interested to know how that even translates in other countries. Mm. Well, even other countries that even have pheasants because we only have, you know, we only have pheasants in this country left anymore. They're not like a bird that should really exist. They're bred specifically for shooting. Wow. Like we just have loads of them. But then because... there are wild ones. No, no, they're all wild. But we like keep them up the breeding of them like make sure we've got enough and stuff and i think they were even like brought further down into the country or into the country specifically for shooting because they're so fucking stupid like they've got tiny little heads compared to their bodies so they're like really easy to kill or something yeah we always used to have like pheasants would just rock up in our garden i love them they're so cute yeah but yeah no i've never eaten one i don't think i've never eaten one they're so they're actually really beautiful birds well the men it's one of the birds where the men are beautiful and the women are boring yeah like a like a um peacock yeah peacock <laughs> hannah did a spectacular <laughs> physical impression of a peacock then yeah yeah um so one of the kids there is belby who slughorn immediately becomes disinterested because belby has a famous uncle but doesn't speak to him then we move on to mcclagan who has been hunting nogtails in norfolk mm. can i just i can't wait to get to this part of the film just to have a massive like class and fat phobia discussion around this entire scene in the film i don't this scene isn't in the film is it the train it's not in the oh train. no not this but the one later on when harry does the awkward stand up oh that's the worst scene in the history of which cinema. is like because it's like it is this but they moved it because they have the same conversation. Yeah, they well, they mashed like three meetings together because yeah. Hermione's there. And, exactly. Yeah, they mashed a load of shit um, together. But yeah, like, although the only thing I do appreciate is just the spectacular of the acting and just characterization, characterization when the guy's like, my dad says the only potion worth having is worth, like a stiff one in the pub or whatever. And I'm just like, I, that is hilarious. Because that is, Belby here is like, I don't really speak to my uncle. So to turn it into like, I don't know, my dad is like, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good way to switch it around. Yeah, but... Um, but, but like, Norfolk, Norfolk's back. 
there. So, mm. you know, it's all, it's all good. What the fuck is a nogtail? Um, nice. Turns out McLaggen is a fucking name dropper and this is a nepotism club. Like, oh, yeah, even yeah, yeah, yeah. stupid Harry recognises that this is a nepotism club. It's weird because it's a bit like a teacher-run, like... Is it like the Bullington Boys? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It is. It is like the Bullington it's, Club. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, run by a teacher, like... To get them ahead, like, oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. I think as a kid, I didn't really absorb what this was trying to tell me. Like, I probably subconsciously learned some things from it. But looking, like, reading this now as an adult, it's shocking that Dumbledore kind of allows it and almost encourages it to run because he wants Slughorn back because it's disgusting. Like, Mm. it's really, he's giving a leg up to already well-connected people so that he, in turn, can become powerful. Like, yeah. It's so wrong. Um, Zabini is there because he has a murdering gold digger mother. And where is my TV spin-off miniseries about Zabini's Oh, mother? I know. I know. She has murdered seven husbands. Goals. Because I hate men. Because I'm a feminist. Feminist. Seven husbands she's murdered. Like, this woman is an icon and a legend. Yeah, hard agree. Slughorn then begins to question Harry and Ginny jumps to his defence... <laughs> And calls Zabini a poser. <laughs> Fucking love Ginny. <laughs> She's so feisty. Yeah. To the point it's stupid. Um, Slughorn is then carries on pressing Harry for info about the Department of Mysteries, which is when Ginny and Neville jump in and say, oh, we were there and nobody ever heard the prophecy. Mm. Um, and Harry's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like refusing to give any information. Turns out Ginny was invited because she ex Zachariah Smith. Which, like, at least Slughorn isn't so. Like, it can only be nepotism babies. At least he's like, that girl yeah. who hex someone, I want her. <laughs> this really reminds me, and I'm pretty sure I might have said this on the podcast before, but I think a long, long time ago, of the time when we were doing like mini debates in English li- literature. Mm. And I think it was for. The Inspector Calls, oh, I think. What a what a book, what a play. Yeah, and I like had to defend like the obvious character that was in the wrong or something. Yeah. So everyone was against me, and we were doing it in like a common area of oh, like, God. um, what like the English blog. Yeah. And everyone was against me, so I literally ended up like having to yell against everyone because it was wasn't like a proper debate format. Oh right. Okay. Um. So yeah, I literally was having to like yell against everyone like yelling at me and then this really strict scary English teacher that everyone was scared of like came out of the staff room because we were right by it and like came over and I literally was like fuck I'm about to get like yelled at and then she literally was like you're joining debate club (laughs) we meet at this time and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) well it's kind of like when Harry um, caught the rememberall. Yeah, and, and that's got probably a... when I told that story yeah, last time. Was. So it's kind of Ginny's kind of done the same yeah. thing, but she was illegally hexing someone. Queen, because she's a man-hating feminist icon. We love Ginny. Um, so the, the the meeting's finally over. Like, what must be four hours later? Because it gets dark. Like, fucking hell, yeah. this must have been awful. Sorry, but you know what I love about that review. It's for our target audience. That they definitely wrote that to try and deter people from listening. But for our target audience, that I, is if I saw that free advertising. Podcast, I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna put it. We should run Facebook adverts with that. We, act- we, we actually, actually should. should. Yes, I would listen to a podcast if I saw like if you want a podcast with man hating feminists. I'd be like, oh, yes, yes, yes. They sign me the fuck up. Um, 
So when they leave, Harry decides to follow Zabini into the Slytherin carriage. (sighs) Harry, I know you're not intelligent, but... (laughs) Hey, he's just showed some real emotional intelligence half a chapter ago. For six books in. Um, How did he think that this was going to work? Those carriages are so small. How did he think he was going to slip in, like... Before the door shut. He's very tiny. He's a tiny little boy. But he's clearly not because he has to wedge his foot in oh, and he repeatedly gets like hit in the foot with it. And then how did he think he was then going to climb up onto we'll the We'll talk ra- about the climbing up in a... Okay. So yeah, Harry puts his foot in the door to, to stop the door from closing, which makes Sabini fall into Goyle's lap, which is obviously kind of hilarious because Goyle's like, get the fuck off me, which, yeah. So Harry then uses the opportunity to leap into the luggage rack. Okay. What, what was he going to do had he not been given that opportunity? Also, right, okay, you're in a cloak. This cloak is never described as having arms. So how are you grabbing hold of a luggage rack? Because you cannot leap from... Right, so you've stepped on this. How are you getting up there without using your arms? And if you use your arms, does that not pull the cloak with you? And also, even if it didn't, it's still... It's not the invisibility (laughs) onesie. (laughs) That would actually be better if it was an invisibility onesie. Harder for, you know, Hermione to also get in that. Oh my God, can someone please draw us just the three of them in like a stretched out... Oh onesie. Yeah, I want first year Harry on Hermione somehow squished into an invisibility onesie. But like, of course they're going to see up, regardless of whether your arms are up. If someone was below oh, you, yeah. they're going to see, see up the cloak. And I still, if right, okay. So imagine there's something over your arm. I'm demonstrating. If there's something over your arms, how do you grab on and then pull your head above your arm height without pulling the cloak backwards over you? Like it's not. Possible? It's no, not no. possible. And what was he going to do if there had not been a sea free? Like, if so, someone hadn't gotten up, what was he going to do? Where was he going to go? Yeah. And then Harry's like, uh, I thought I saw Malfoy's eyes follow me, but it'll be fine. Stop underestimating Malfoy. We yeah. know he's intelligent. Like, for fuck's sake, You Harry. think he's a Death Eater, but you're like, I'm sure he didn't question the feet floating. No, it's going to be like, fine. The fact the door repeatedly wouldn't shut and bounced open by itself and then he saw my feet floating in the air. I'm sure it's fine. Fucking idiot. Turns out... Malfoy has been sitting there with his head in Pansy Parkinson's lap. These are 16-year-olds. This is gross and disgusting and I hate it with a passion. Pansy Parkinson is stroking his damn hair. Like... I was worried about what you were going to (laughs) say. But also, I love this, like, almost juxtaposition of, like, they're so touchy-feely when we don't even know if they're together. They're stroking the hair. Whereas Harry is sitting in some sort of, like, multiple levels of awkward relationships where no one... His last interaction with a girl went so terribly that she runs away from him. He's surrounded by Hermione and Ron, who cannot even admit Mm. that they like each other. He's confused at whether Ginny is his sister like the Draco is so much more advanced than Harry. <laughs> yeah. Draco's got game, Harry's got none. Um can we also talk about like one I feel like on trains the luggage racks are quite small. Unless um, they're bigger on these ones because they maybe. do have trunks each. So yeah. they must be bigger. Maybe. But then also like even pulling yourself up there. Like, can we please do a bonus episode where we just go on a train with the pure like just film us attempting to pull ourselves into the trains do you know that still have They all do. No, no, no. We would need one that still had I feel like to do it properly, we need one that still has little compartments. I feel like it's kind of the same thing though. 
in terms of you're pulling yourself into like I bet they're lower, but yeah. Mm. Can but... we try it on the um the Hogwarts Express in Orlando? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't have luggage bits. Um and we also there's only two of us will likely be sharing a compartment with someone else we'll be like oh my god do you know that tiktok thing where they ask a stranger to hold their phone and do something really awkward we could do that be like oh sorry excuse me would you mind just taking video of us and then we just climb into the the luggage luggage and they're like (laughs) also like yeah the luggage rack might be big but it's got six trunks in it. Yeah. So how is there any room? This makes no sense. Like, Harry is, at this point, we know he's small, but he's still a 16-year-old. Like, he's basically a fully grown adult. I mean, the thing is, it makes no sense because there's definitely no way that six full-on trunks fit. There's no there way. There is worth of stuff. I imagine these trunks as, like, yay big and about yay wide. Mm. So I've always... None of you understood those yays, but you can envisage yeah. it. But so... Because I've always pictured them like they are on our trains. And then I guess I've always thought that there's probably, you know, on our trains when there's a separate luggage bit. Yeah. Pictured having that. But even that doesn't make sense when you consider that there are, well, (laughs) who knows how many Hogwarts students. Um, At least hundreds on that with... They're obviously magic. There must be some kind there's of extension a magic, yeah, thing. The, the, the luggage compartments are a magic on this train. They have. I feel to be. like there's got to be a separate bit where you put your bag and they get sucked away into. No, no, there isn't because it says that they all pull their luggage down to take put their robes it on. Make sense. It doesn't make Is sense. Is every book they pull their luggage down to put their robes on? It doesn't make sense. No. Oh. Okay. So Harry's now up in the luggage rack. But yeah, I want to do that bonus episode of us crawling into a <laughs> uh, luggage rack. We, I don't have the arm strength to pull myself up by a luggage rack. That's why it's funny. Because they can watch us struggle. Harry's stronger than us. Harry has um, those good good quidditch exercise. You know, he's strong from the, the, the quidditch. And the masturbating. And that. Um, so, yeah. Pa- Malfoy's head is being stroked by Pansy. Draco's then like, Precious Potter. Which, yeah, of course there's fan fiction written about these. What's Precious Potter? Shut up, Draco. He's so bad at insults. Precious Potter. He's like, oh, how shall I insult this guy? I'll call him Precious. Um, Pansy is then starts bitching about Ginny, but says that a lot of boys fancy her, including Blaze, who's hard to please. Blaze is a hundred percent bisexual. This was mm. what my bisexual note was about. Like the whole thing with Goyle getting annoyed with him for falling on his lap, and then him only liking Ginny, even though he's hard to please. I'm like, this is some sort of picky bisexual man. Like I've just got such a picture of Blaze from this like half chapter. Yeah. Um. You know, if we were to recast him, um, nowadays, you know who would have to be who? Um, I cannot remember his last name, but Shooty. <laughs> the new Doctor Who He's and Sex Education. No, 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 but, but that how he plays it in Sex Education, sure, can't wait to see. By the way, can't wait to see his interpretation of Doctor I'm Who. So but like, he can definitely do more than that. But yeah. he definitely would do like bisexual plays, yeah, really well. I'm just the way that Pansy says you're hard to please. I'm like, Blaze has got some energy that like, yeah, it's weird how much Blaze we get in this chapter for it to not go anywhere. Yeah. Um. Draco then says he might not be at Hogwarts next year and then says like because he's going to pick farts pick farts um Draco then literally says Voldemort has given him a job and Harry repeats this message and still nobody believes him no Harry is like Draco literally says like 
I can't remember the words he used, but he basically mm. says Voldemort's given me a job. It's also so weird that he says this knowing Harry's there. Yeah, I know. Like, it's supposed to be, like, a top secret thing. Why would he want to clue Harry in? It doesn't make a lot of sense. No. No. I just have a cup of foam at this point. Yeah, I can't get the foam out. I can't even tongue it from here. The foam is sour. Oh! When the train stops, Harry gets hit by a case and gasps because he's a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. And then they all get changed. What were they wearing before? What are they... How are they... Pansies in there? Yep. I just want to know. I don't think there is an answer because I don't think J.K. Rowling cared, but I deeply care. Because if they're wearing wizard robes, which presumably they all are because they hate muggles, to change into their school robes, they'd have to take the wizard robes off. Which we know... Well, they might be in muggle wear because they were at the station. Good point. But either way... But then it's always described that Harry puts his robes on over his muggle clothes, which must be hot and wouldn't make any sense because... Draco wouldn't do that. So mm. do wizards have some sort of special underlayer? They must do, but... Maybe it's just, like, t-shirt and shorts, but, like, an interpretation of t-shirt and shorts. Yeah, or a weird romper situation. I would love it if it was... I I, I, I want it to be weird. Because that would make sense. They're wearing the weird romper under their muggle clothes. Yeah. They take their muggle clothes off with just the weird romper. And then... <laughs> but when Snape gets dangled upside down... It shows his underpants. Yeah. I think we can all assume that Pansy is fucking all of those Slytherins. And therefore... But Hermione always gets changed in front of them. Hermione's fucking Ron and Harry. (laughs) The slut. The slut. (laughs) I just want someone to explain it. It's never made any sense at any point in the books. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Harry is a fucking idiot, is my next note, because Malfoy has looked up at him twice. Yeah. Has pulled the blinds down in the carriage, got his wand out, and Harry's like, oh, I wonder what secret thing he's going to show that only I get to see. Are you a fucking moron, Harry? Like, obviously he knows you're that. Harry's fucking dense. And also, like, we know Draco's smart. This is good for setting up the fact that Draco is smart and therefore could be a Death Eater because he has spotted Harry. That's good. Like, thanks. Mm -hmm. But Harry's just a fucking idiot. So Draco, Petrificus Totalis says, Harry, Harry falls down, which I feel like could break his bones. Like, it's quite far, but fine. Break his bones. Break all his bones. Mm -hmm. Um, But one bone is broken because Draco's stamps on his face in revenge for his father and then throws the cloak back over Harry. It's brutal. It's brutal, but also like, yeah, Harry was trying to like, you know, save himself the wizarding world and Sirius. But Draco's father did end up in jail and this is kind of reasonable retaliation. Not the yeah. rest of the shit Draco does, just this. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. Woo! Woo! Do we have a question? We do. Oh, wow. What a good question. I just threw squash all over myself. Good. I too vigorously pulled the glass towards me and the squash leapt out. Okay. This is a very long question, but it's actually perfect for what we've just been discussing. Mm -hmm. Now that we're on to Half-Blood Prince, what are your thoughts on Draco Malfoy actually wanting to be a good person who is just a misunderstood product 
of his environment slash upbringing. I personally love Tom Felton's portrayal of Draco in the film, and he shows so much more depth and nuance that I think his character is given credit for. Hard he, agree. He clearly has heaps of internal conflict with the task he's been given, and Tom's emotional performance is chef's kiss in my opinion i feel like jk missed a huge opportunity to tell his redemption story which Draco deserved far more than snape who doesn't have a shitty personality phase as a literal child he was under so much pressure to live up to familial expectations before he was ever given the opportunity to learn why they were wrong i repeat he was a literal child he deserved more opportunity to learn and grow as a person beyond the narrow-minded bigotry he was raised in like so many of us do justice for draco and justice for slytherins they can't all be bad people and all of us were little shits at some point as teenagers yeah and that is from wes and Kristen. yeah i love that i think especially because i'd never actually given much thought to how good tom felton's portrayal is versus the source material that he had yeah. like he yeah, he absolutely played he up ham, an entire man. side of the character that we didn't see in the books, but should have seen. Yeah. Like, we got a crumb of it in Seven. Yeah. And that's it. Um, but yeah, I'd never really thought about that. And yeah, like, Draco should be such an interesting character. And I think, because we get this all the time in like real life especially the classic example is like when old tweets resurface and there's always like a massive discussion around like at what age you should be held accountable for that yeah. and people being like oh but i wasn't racist when i was like x age and it's like yes but people are a product of their upbringing and especially yeah. you know obviously it's a lot easier now to be woke when you're younger because you have like access, access to, to that via the internet yeah. and like not that obviously we did have the internet growing up but it wasn't the way in the same now. way no. now you get that stuff like in front of you spoon fed to you whereas when we were younger you would have to actually go seek it out yeah. um so there is like that conversation around like okay if you've been raised in a certain way with certain beliefs like at what point are you like should you have unlearned that and i think there's no real answer everyone's journey is different you know some people are you know raised into cults and it takes them until they're adults to like unlearn that because that's a level of brainwashing so i don't think it's ever fair to say that oh this person should have known better by that age because you don't know how they were raised and it's not fair to be like oh but they should have just known not to be racist or xyz because you do not know what level of socialization brainwashing all of that that they have been through and just because you either never learned that although i would argue if you genuinely try and say that you have never had a learned prejudice you're lying to yourself yeah it's you know everyone unlearns that stuff at a different age or or some people never do with their shitheads but yeah so i think that's a side that we didn't really get to explore that much with draco and it is a shame because yeah he his parents were essentially in a racist cult yeah um so of course he when he's younger is gonna have that i forgot what the actual question there is basically and I've just... just it's just more of a discussion yeah point. i think from what I can remember, and um, I might change my mind by the time we get to the end of the book, mm. that the way it's done in Half Blood Prince is perfect because it is not the final book of the series. We do see right at the end that Draco does not want to do this. Yeah. We do see that in the text, he is lowering his want. He is going to accept Dumbledore's protection 
and it's only when the Death Eaters come in that he changes his mind. And then actually, I do still think that book seven, for the fact they weren't in school, up to a point, carries on that arc really well. One of my favourite moments in book seven is the fact that Draco clearly lies yeah. about recognising Ron, Harry and Hermione. Obviously, he recognises them. Yeah. Obviously, he does. He lies. And then all that hard work, all that beautiful just goes work, out the it just goes out the window with like, okay, fine, it's still it's okay in the fiendy fire bit because it's Crab and Goyle who are trying to kill Hermione. Draco's just kind of been swept along. There's this kind of whole discussion of they've overtaken him as the bullies. And then Harry has to rescue him and has to choose like safety versus rescuing them. And then there is this one bit in the battle after that bit where Draco is like, they're here, they're here or something. Mm. Or is like, I'm on your side, I'm on your side. And we never hear from him again after that point. And that really irritates me that all this incredibly hard work was done. I think to show that point that Draco was an basically an abused child because not in the way his parents didn't love him his parents were incredibly loving towards him but raised him within a cult within a fascist mm. system that he was deeply ingrained in and in book six forced to partake in to like avenge his family which because he was underage was abusive and a, like a disgusting thing to do to him all that hard work that build-up was kind of ruined in that last moment of the battle yeah it's such a weird choice by jk yeah like it would it, have been so much more powerful if... And it's about it, the it, message that it sends as yeah, well. It's it, like... If if the last bit... If there was... If the last bit was the fiendy fire and there was something after that about... Because the next bit is that they walk away from the battle because obviously all Narcissa wanted was to find Draco mm. and therefore she lied. But I think it would have been more powerful if it was something Draco did or we heard from him again or yeah. just, just something... And, else. and also that, you know, Draco or even the entire family changed their mind, not because it just no longer served their purpose, because yeah. that was all it was at the end of the day, that it's like they were no longer benefiting yeah. as like upper class white people from, from the system. Yeah. This system. So yeah. then they walked away. I would have rather like definitely Draco, if not the others, actually be like, hold up, this is wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about the message it sends. Like she, it should have been a story and a message about how just because you're born into something doesn't mean that you're doomed um, to that, be that way. Or that Draco was just a product of the system as the rest of them were. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's a story about children born into a system. Exactly. Which is why at the end of the day, I think a bigger point, a better ending would have been a bigger point being made of him lying about recognising Harry, Ron, Hermione mm. and that being the last thing he did because that to me is so fucking powerful, that yeah. bit. Yeah, but yeah, instead just is one of the many plot points that JK got bored of yeah. and just didn't... Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's why he let Harry hear something in this chapter because maybe he was hoping that Harry would foil his plan. I like, think this early on, he still has that much bravado that... He thinks his plan is going to succeed. I think it's only later in the book that he starts to get really. I think he might think it will it. succeed, but does he want it to? Mm. Does he really want? Like at the end of the day, like he's got friends in the school, and even even like even like Hermione and Ron and Harry that he doesn't like. They're still people that he has grown up with at this point. Even if you don't like them, that doesn't mean you want to see them 
dead so i think he might think that his plan's gonna work but maybe he that's even subconsciously him trying to self-sabotage yeah because he doesn't want it to work yeah yeah i i don't i wouldn't want it to be so kind of cheesy and overwritten that at the last minute draco joined harry ron hermione and trying to defeat voldemort like i i think i prefer the more nuance of it not going that far but i don't like that a it's never finished properly and b the last line we hear from him is 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 i'm on your side i'm on your side to a death eater Mm. like it would have been so much more powerful for him to be left in a middle zone where he doesn't betray harry ron hermione but he doesn't fully go over to the good side i think purely because it's like at the end of the day a kid's book and Mm. a lot of these things are so like laid out like that i would have liked that cheesy moment you know like the bit in the film when um voldemort's like oh like who's coming over to our side and he like walks over and gets an awkward hug but i would have almost like that in the books but in reverse where draco's on the death eater side yeah and, and voldemort walks- says who's coming over and draco went walks to the, to other, the side. other side yeah and i know that's cheesy and really blatant but i think when this is all about the overall message i think that's really important yeah yeah, there's just so much that could have been done with Draco's yeah. character. And, like, this is... It, it's a testament to how well he is written up until this point and up until book seven that people have these discussions about him because that is a testament to how much people appreciate him as a character, that he is not fully evil, he is not fully good, and we can have these discussions about him. Yeah, absolutely. But also, yeah, Tom Fulton's acting is, like... Yeah, so good. Oh, my God! Just, like, whoa! yeah. He fucking went hard. He, like, added shit to the character. Bear in mind, he was a child. He added shit to the character yeah, that was so hell. intelligent and beyond what was needed yeah. or asked for or, or... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So good. Well, that is the end of this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for picking the Amaretto Sours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was delicious. That was my favourite drink we've had on in quite a while. Good. I want to go lie in a cold bath now, but Same. unfortunately that isn't an option. We could do it together. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Abby, Emily, Ashley, Becca, Gillian, Catherine, Layla, Lewis, Nick, Patrick, RMG, Samuel, and Yolanda. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes behind the scenes content and our discord thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one bye